I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, what happened today? Uh, well, I'll be honest, it was exciting. I, uh, watered my lawn. I watered my lawn for a long, long time. I decided to put on the mask that I ordered off of Etsy. And I went to the uh, hardware store. And I got myself some grass seed. Because I got a bunch of bare spots in my yard. Just big, open, ugly sores of dirt amongst the grass and laid down the seed and talked to my dad on the phone while I watered and seeded and I was pretty proud of myself so that happened and then uh, I went inside the house and I showered and then I kind of stood around for an hour or so and then after that uh, I got on a conference call uh, it's a, sort of like a happy hour with my coworkers, and everyone on there is awkward. Um, most people don't talk; it's quiet, and then I wind up bringing up some topic like, oh, what's, "What's your favorite movie?" And then uh, everyone, as soon as you do that, everyone knows that. Ah, well, the conversation's dead. But they do the dance, and they say, uh, "Well, one person said my favorite movie was Twister, the movie from like 1996, starring Helen Hunt." I don't know if it's 96, but it's in the mid-90s. And uh, I said, oh, that's that's weird. Why is that your favorite movie? And she said, I don't, I don't know. I just like weather. <laughs> so that was pretty weird. Um, and during that time, we made small talk until eventually everyone found reasons to get off. And I don't understand why people do these online happy hours. No one wants to be there. Or people do want to be there. But it becomes some sort of weird kind of social hierarchy kind of race to find out who can be the first one to get off the line first. And that way show dominance over the others. Like, ah, this, this party sucks and I'm out of here. Uh, so that was my day. After that, um, texted with a friend uh, at length. And that was pretty much it. And now I'm down here. So that's the life of a man during a pandemic. Uh, oh, I new cat. I smushed his paw in the window. I was closing the window, and he decided to jump up at the last second, and his paw got smushed. And he hissed, and he ran away. Yep, that's all I got. Well, let's read another fairy story from uh, the Red Fairy Book, because I'm not really planning this out, and I got nothing else to read. Day three of the Red Fairy Book by Andrew Lang. Uh, 
He's just a guy, as we've talked about before, and don't really have to get into him. He was a literary critic and did all sorts of work involving being a man of letters. But he uh, became oddly more famous for his fairy tale collection uh, than he was for any of the works that he did or the editing that he did. So, uh, at least we still know who he is. I mean, there's people that do things for a living, like accounting, and nobody thinks about them in their free time or your taxes. But this guy was able to be uh, you know, in the literary world, uh, doing book work, and still made a name for himself. So let's dive into the next story. The Voice of Death Once upon a time, there lived a man whose one wish and prayer was to get rich. <laughs> Day and night, he thought of nothing else. And at last, his prayers were granted and he became very wealthy. Now, being so rich and having so much to lose, he felt that it'd be a terrible thing to die and leave all his possessions behind. So he made up his mind to set out in search of a land where there was no death. I got ready for his journey, took leave of his wife, and started. Whenever he came to a new country, the first question he asked was whether people died in that land, and when he heard they did, he set out again on his quest. At last, he reached a country where he was told that the people did not even know the meaning of the word death. Our traveler was delighted when he heard this and said, Eh, 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 but surely there are great numbers of people in your land if no one ever dies. No, they replied, there are not great numbers, for you see from time to time a voice is heard calling, at first one and then another, and whoever hears that voice gets up and goes away and never comes back. And, uh, do they see the person who calls them, he asked, or do they only hear his voice? They both see and hear him, was the answer. Well, the man was amazed when he heard that the people were stupid enough to follow the voice, uh, though they knew that if they went when it called them, uh, they would never return. And went back to his own home and got all his possessions together and, taking his wife and family, set out resolved to go and live in that country where the people did not die, but where instead they heard a voice calling them, which they followed into a land from which they never returned. For he had made up his own mind that when he or any of his family heard that voice, they paid no heed to it, however loudly it called, after he had settled down in his new home and he got everything in order about him and warned his wife and family that unless they wanted to die, uh, they must uh, on no account listen to a voice which they might someday hear calling them. For some years, everything went well with them and they lived happily in their new home. But one day, while they were all sitting together around a table, his wife suddenly started up, exclaiming in a loud voice, I am coming, I am coming. And she began to look around the room for her fur coat. Uh, but her husband jumped up and, taking firm hold of her by the hand, held her fast and reproached her, saying, Don't you remember what I told you? Stay where you are unless you wish to die. Yeah, but don't you hear that voice calling me? She answered. I'm merely going to see why I'm wanted. I should be back directly. So she fought and struggled to get away from her husband and uh, to go where the voice summoned, but he would not let her go. 
and had all the doors of the house shut and bolted. When she saw that he had done this, she said, Very well, dear husband, I shall do what you wish and remain where I am. So her husband believed that it was all right, and that she had thought better of it, and had got over her mad impulse to obey the voice. But a few minutes later, she made a sudden dash for one of the doors, opened it, and darted out, followed by her husband, as she caught her by the fur coat, and begged and implored her not to go. For if she did, she would certainly never return. Now she said nothing, but let her arms fall backwards, and suddenly, bending herself forward, she slipped out of the coat, leaving it in her husband's hands. He, poor man, seemed turned to stone as he gazed after her, hurrying away from him and calling at the top of her voice as she ran, I'm coming, I'm coming. When she was quite out of sight, her husband recovered his wits and went back into the house, murmuring, If she is so foolish as to wish to die, I can't help it. I warned and implored her to pay no heed to that voice, however loudly it might call. Well, days and weeks and months and years passed, and nothing happened to disturb the peace of the household, but one day the man was at the barber's as usual, ha-ha, and being shaved. The shop was full of people, and his chin was just as covered with a lather of soap. Then suddenly, starting up from the chair, he called out in a loud voice, I won't come, do you hear? I won't come. The barber and the other people in the shop listened to him with amazement. But again, looking toward the door, he exclaimed, I tell you, once and for all, I do not mean to come, so go away. And a few minutes later, he called out again, Go away, I tell you, or it'll be worse for you. You may call as much as you like, but you will never get me to come. Oh, and he got so angry that you might have thought that someone was actually standing at the door, tormenting him, unless he jumped up, caught the razor out of the barber's hand, exclaiming, Give the razor, and I'll teach him to let people alone for the future. And then he rushed out of the house as if he were running after someone. Uh, one else he saw. The barber, determined not to let loose his razor, pursued the man, and they both continued running at full speed till they had got well out of town. When all of a sudden the man fell head foremost down a precipice and was never seen again. So he too, like the others, had been forced against his will to follow the voice that called him. The barber, who went home whistling, whistling, and congratulating himself on the escape he had made, described what had happened, and it was noised abroad in the country that the people who had gone away and had never returned had all fallen in that pit. For till then they had never known what had happened to those who had called the voice and obeyed its call. When the crowds of people went out in the town to examine the ill-fated pit that had swallowed up such members, and yet never seemed to be full, they could discover nothing. All that they could see was a vast plain that looked as if it had been there since the beginning of the world, and from that time the people of the country began to die like ordinary mortals all over. Well, what do we learn from this? 
Uh, innovation. If you're a wealthy man that knows how to do, uh, what is that called, the gift? I forget. It's an Oprah thing. Some author of some book decided that if you just pray to the universe uh, that you can you know, get a new car, that you'll get it uh, through the power of intention. This man in this fairy tale uh, did that, and he got what he wanted. Oh, wealth. Once he got it, the next thing was, uh, I don't want to die. I'm going to lose everything. All my stuff that I got. And my wife and kids, I don't want them to lose it all either. So, instead of sitting around praying for that kind of intention, just like Oprah taught him to do, he decided that he was going to set out to find a place where no one died. Which isn't reasonable, but he did it, and he found a place where the the weird catch was that uh, as long as no one found this pit then everyone would uh, just have to hear a voice and go running towards the pit and then die in the pit. Well, he got his family to, you know, to ignore the voice, but they wouldn't. His wife would. She took off running for the pit, and he didn't know about that. But then when he's getting shaved one day, he goes to the pit, and uh, after that, now everyone just dies normally because the secret's been revealed. Is innovation a good thing? Or does innovation... Eh, make things suck. Well, in this case, his innovation made things suck. A land where people heard a voice and just disappeared and never came back. Eh, now they just die in their homes. Eh, like idiots. So, I think we learned from that. How do I tie this in with what I said earlier? Eh, yeah, watering my lawn, trying to grow grass in the bald spots that never grow year after year. Uh, if I innovate, do I want to deal with the bald spots? Or do I want something much worse? Maybe there's a land where people can grow grass evenly without issue, but I can't figure out how to tie this in. Well, I guess that's pretty much it. I tried my best. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next week.